am excited. If it's your first time here, my name is Chase, and we are starting a new sermon series um, called Management Material, <laughs> um, how to care for all of God's stuff. <laughs> um, so it's a holistic stewardship series. So we'll be talking about money. We'll be talking about time. We'll be talking about um, uh, our skills and our talents and our spiritual gifts. Um, And we'll also be talking about stewarding the earth. Um, That's a part of what this is too. Um, We'll take a little bit of a break next week because Mother's Day is its own special thing. Um, But, um, but, in general, um, over the next few weeks, we'll be in this stewardship series. And I am excited because those of you who are a little bit nerdy will be blessed. <laughs> so I know, like, we have been in all the fields lately, and I love the feels, okay? For those of you who, like, you feel it deep in your soul, and it's like a wave of seaweed in the ocean, it's just like this. The next series is a little bit more, like, practical. (laughs) It's a little bit more like, listen, we got to, like, tie some things together. And, uh, and so there's a part of this sermon that feels a lot like a training course to me, which feels very unfun, but we're going to go there together. I got lots of slides for you, those of you who like the slides. <laughs> All right, uh, so we'll be in Proverbs today. Um, and um, I'm be honest, this sermon was a little bit challenging because I felt like He's just all over the place in terms of scripture. And so there was um, a moment in which I asked a couple of people to just like, hey, I need you to pray real quick because I feel like this is just all over the place. And after they prayed, really, the Holy Spirit really did begin to move in this prep. Um, And so we will be in Proverbs. There's no chapter because we're going to be a little bit all over Proverbs. But that's because we're going to be talking about subject that Proverbs talks a lot about. Um, uh, but before I tell you what we're talking about, uh, we need to agree on some things. Even, and that's setting the stage for the whole series. This next slide, everything on earth belongs to God. I think it's important that we agree with that statement because if we don't, then this series will not actually be applicable to you. You will not be able to apply it. So here's what I'm saying, right? Everything on earth belongs to God, but he has entrusted all of it to humanity to manage. Everything, why do I say everything? Is this verse of scripture in Psalm 24, one that says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof for you, King James, right? (laughs) The earth and all that inhabit it. (laughs) Everything on earth belongs to God. And what I mean by belongs is God's not like trying to tinker and tamper with everything. It's just God is creator. And everything that's in creation He got, he owns, but has entrusted us, which honestly, sometimes I don't always completely understand why, (laughs) 
because we are not always the best at managing things. But that's a part of what this series is about, is how do we actually become management material. Um, And so today we're talking about managing money. Managing God's money. (laughs) I intentionally have this slide like this. Because it requires intentionality every single time we process our finances to put God in the middle of that. That's not, most of the time we even process that even as a church as managing the money that you've got. Make sure that you give God some of it and so he can use it and then you're good to go. Do what you want with the rest. And I know that we like talking about percentages. I know that that feels good to us, but we're not going there. This is not saying that 25% of your income is for spending, 25% for sharing, 25% for saving, and 25% for sowing. No, it could look like this picture right here. Or the next two. Or the next eight. (laughs) Go to the next slide. The point right now that we're making isn't about how much you do with whatever you do. The point is that the arc of Scripture tells us that there are really four things that we're supposed to be doing with God's money. (laughs) Spending it, sharing it, saving it, and sowing it. We'll talk about that sowing. And listen, I had to be super pastorally cliche. Everything had to start with an S. Had to get that alliteration in for you nerdy people. I know. See, you needed it. I know. And it was like, yes, and the S is a dollar sign. Come through with the nerdy pastoral cliches. We need that. (laughs) So let's talk about spending God's money. These are things like food, shelter, clothes, bills, fun. You didn't think that was going to be in there. And other needs. I said fun on purpose. When we look through Scripture, there's a lot of times where they're told to celebrate. And in our context, that doesn't really happen too big without money, (laughs) right? This is this idea. When I say spending, it's really about how is it that we're able to function as households, as either single individuals, married folks, with children, without, doesn't matter. These needs that we have, that's what I mean by spending. Scripture does talk to us about spending money in that way. But it's kind of not the way in which, it's not like super explicit. It's kind of assumed that you're going to take care of yourself. (laughs) Right? Like that's a piece of the puzzle. Much of Scripture is written with this agricultural lens in view. Right. So when they talk about growing their crops and raising their livestock, the whole intent is you're going to grow those carrots. You will eat some, too, and you're going to bring some to offering. Right. Like that's the whole intent. Let's look at a, a portion of Scripture in Proverbs that talks about this. It says 
The Lord will not let the godly go hungry, but he refuses to satisfy the cravings of the wicked. (laughs) There's a similar verse in Psalm. Once I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. It's assumed that as we work, we will eat from it. What's also assumed is that God provides the necessary things for that work to happen. One thing that I think that we don't talk about nearly enough is you earn your paycheck if you get a paycheck. (laughs) If you're on disability, it is a part of what it is to be a part of this nation. Unemployment or any other benefit that comes along with it, that's all a part of that puzzle. But Somewhere up the line, God is providing to ensure that what you receive is what you receive. So if you are a farmer, yeah, you may be out there sweating all day making sure that those crops are taken care of, but the Lord is what provides sun. The Lord provides sunshine. The Lord provides rain, stuff that you have no control over. It doesn't matter what time you wake up in the morning or how long you work during the day. If there's no sun, there's no sun, and your, prop, your crops cannot photosynthesize. <laughs> All the nerd. (laughs) At some point, as followers of Christ, at some point, as the people of God, we acknowledge that, yes, I am in partnership with God in providing for myself and my family, but at some point, I have no control or influence over what God is providing, and I am dependent upon that provision. If we don't have that as a piece of our puzzle, then we're not putting God in the middle of spending money. This is actually a point of maturity for us as believers to see that. It's something that we choose to affirm as opposed to I work hard for my money, I'm going to do what I want. I work hard for the money and thank God that he's provided the opportunity for me to work hard. Right? Or whatever the case may be. And scripture does not speak explicitly to you making sure that you take care of your needs because, quite honestly, it doesn't have to. (laughs) You going to (laughs) eat. Listen, I'm going to eat. I'm not going to hold you up. I'm going to make sure within every ounce of my ability that my needs are taken care of. So scripture doesn't have to remind me of that. (laughs) And it doesn't really spend time reminding. There's a point in which we just acknowledge God has provided and I received that provision. And it is God's intent for me to use that provision for my needs. And some of us actually need to hear that. Some of us need to hear that it is a part of the will of the Father for you to spend money. Yes. Amen. I'm serious. Now, all of our finances are different. I get that. 
Every single one of us. There's, there are parts of our church family who their annual income is less than $20,000 a year. And some folks that are making six figures. That's a part of what it is to be a multicultural family is that we're all over the place. But some of us have been sewing together holes and socks since 1999 because we don't believe that it's a part of God's intent for us to spend money. And that's a cultural thing. I sh- the culture group shall remain nameless. <laughs> we're, a little bit, we're a little bit more frugal than the Bible would actually even encourage us to be. To with joy, when I spend this money on my needs, thank you, Lord, that you've provided for me. It's okay. Yeah, balance your stuff. But also, it's okay to, with joy, spend the money the Lord has provided. There's another aspect of what we should be doing with God's money, sharing God's money, which is a little bit different than tithe. We'll get to tithe and offering here in a little bit. But you'll notice that many of the categories are the exact same. Food, shelter, clothes, bills, other needs, community projects. Because it is a biblical principle that the Lord provides for us and there are some individuals on this planet who do not actually have all that they need. And it is a part of God's provision for the world for us to share what we have. That is a biblical principle. It is actually anti-scripture to look at someone who is poor and say, what are you doing to work? That is anti-scripture. What is more like scripture is to acknowledge the fact, and scripture is in no way shy about the fact that there will be some people who are wealthy and some people who are not. The intent isn't to make everyone have the same income. The intent is to ensure that all of our needs are provided for, and guess what? We're a part of that. We are a part of God providing food and shelter and clothing and, yes, bills. Yep, bills and other needs for other people. Let's see what Proverbs has to say about that. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Listen, y'all didn't read that one. Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. But those who are poor need to pull up themselves by their bootstraps. No, that's not the Bible. I know that's our culture in America, but that's not Scripture. I'm sorry if that rubs us the wrong way. It's not the Scriptures. There is this challenging tension between us being responsible and working for that which we will, working for our food and The truth that Jesus said very plainly, there will always be poor among us. It is our responsibility to, with compassion, share what the Lord has provided. There's another verse that's pretty similar. If you help the Lord, excuse me, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. And he will repay you. Remember I was saying before that Scripture doesn't work hard to prove to you that you need to spend your money because <laughs> you're not, nobody need, you don't need motivation to buy what you need. 
But there's a pattern in Scripture that a part of sharing, it's not transactional, but it is incentivized by Creator God. Those of us who have the privilege of being parents, there are sometimes we want to incentivize behavior and values that we want to see. One of the things that we started some years ago, because I do not like being late. We'll get to that in a week about time. But no, <laughs> I don't like being late for anything. <laughs> um, even if I don't actually have to be there, I want the kids to be on time to school. And so I started like having gummy worms in the car for whenever we would get out of the house early, the early birds would get worms. I'm just saying. Now, <laughs> it's backfired sometimes. And then they're like waking up at 5.30, <laughs> rushing around the house all loud. But, <laughs> but ultimately, I'm incentivizing a value and a behavior that I want to see. The Father does that with us too. The capital F Father does that with us as well. It's going to require more intentionality for you to share, especially in a cultural context that will make you question every single time you give somebody something, what will they do with it? <laughs> I don't want to give them something so they can go buy drugs with it. I know that that's something that we, we got to be honest and clear with one another. It's not my job to figure out what they do with it. It's always our responsibility to share, though. And there is, and we should consider. I'm not saying a certain percentage, but we need to consider everything that comes from God into my bank account at some point. I need to be willing to share with this. When I say community projects, there are some things that just need to happen in our community, here at church, in the broader community. There are projects. A project that's needed is carpet in this building. And we'll talk about that as opportunities to share, right? But that's what I mean by community projects. Let's keep going. Saving God's money. Some of you. This was, your, this was the part right here. This is your anointing, saving. That's all right. Look, I need you in my life because my anointing is spending. <laughs> Listen, I'll spend something real quick. <laughs> but I'm good at sharing too, right? Saving is where I need a little help, right? <laughs> saving. Scripture does talk a lot about saving. Um, for our context, saving for things like retirement, emergency, lean times is something that's a pretty consistent pattern in Scripture. We'll actually read a couple of verses in Proverbs that speak to that. But then also future generations. There is enough pattern in Scripture that says that saving is a way in which the Lord intends for us to manage that which he provides for us. Um, in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I'm just saying what the Bible says. <laughs> Learn from their ways and become wise. 
Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. That's that idea of lean times. Another element, another portion of Scripture in Proverbs, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes <laughs> quickly disappears. Listen, y'all have seen the, you know, 60 Minutes where that person that won that $3 billion in the lottery and then all of a sudden they <laughs> right back to where they started off <laughs> and all their things had to be sold off just so that they could eat. Yep. Scripture has something to say about it. <laughs> Wealth from hard work grows over time. It's this idea of this discipline and even this saving. And this is a great moment for us to pause from what it looks like to manage God's money well to talk about what some things that we should not do. Uh, because you can't talk about what to do in this kind of trainee version of a sermon without talking about what not to do. Ways to mismanage God's money. <laughs> Get rich quick schemes. <laughs> Loving money. It's going to be incredibly difficult for you, for you to put God in the management of your money if you love it too much. And loving it, sometimes we automatically have a picture in our mind of people lavishly spending. No. Loving money doesn't look like just lavishly spending. It's doing anything and everything at all costs to get it, keep it, and use it for whatever it is that I want to. Sometimes if that just means I want my bank account to just keep growing. I look forward to when there's another $100 in there. And don't touch it, anybody. That's loving money. That's a part of it. <clears throat> Unjust practices. Unjust practices, a better way, to, like Scripture talks about these uneven scales, right? So for those of us who manage money in banks or those of us who own businesses and those of us who have employees, God hates when we are unjust. Not just dislikes, hates. Uses that word very strongly and on purpose. Some of us have been the recipients of unjust practices where we're working way more than we're earning. God hates that. Dishonesty with money, which something that we don't always talk about. We talk about dishonesty pretty out of the blanket statement, but very specifically, God does not like when we're dishonest with money. Trusting in and hoarding. This is a moment for us to kind of pause and acknowledge we, many of us come from some hard backgrounds because of unjust practices, because of oppressive systems, because of the way in which oftentimes the system of the world that we live in keeps impoverished people impoverished. That last one, hoarding, we might not see ourselves as hoarders of money. However, However, there's something that has to shift inside of us as we surrender to 
the will of the Father and the authority of the Spirit that says, even though I come from hard times, even though I come from the gutter, even though I come from an impoverished reality, I still am a part of this kingdom and responsible for living kingdom principles, which means sharing and giving. And regardless of my current financial reality, generosity will always be God's design for us. And when I break hold, when I break from that hold of living in the trauma of my past, which I'm not saying is easy, but I'm just casting a vision for us. When I break from that, I see that even when I'm giving out of my little, God is multiplying and ensuring I still have what I need. Many of us are hoarding because we learn to only trust ourselves with provision. But I'm going to be honest with you, and this is sometimes hard, especially because we come from so many different places. Most often when we have grown up in poverty as children to the point where we have struggled and we carry, or carry this hoarding, there have been some mismanagement of God's money in the past that I have not always understood, but I was a victim of. And that's hard. So, Lord, give me grace to not live in response to the ways in which those who should have been trusting you in the past were not. <laughs> Whew. It's okay. But if we're going to actually get this where we're management material and we're doing this well, get-rich-quick schemes and hoarding have a lot in common. We talked about that a few weeks ago. The last thing that is a pretty consistent pattern is sowing God's money. And we'll be here for a minute. One of the things that I low-key, I struggle with when it comes to talking about money in church is stewardship sermons generally are just like code word for giving. <laughs> like we're going to talk about stewardship in the Lord's house. Basically pay your tithes, right? <laughs> right? Um, and I don't want to shy away from having that conversation, um, but I also want to reframe the way in which we think about it, because um, that's not the only way in which God intends for us to steward. It's a part of stewardship, a portion of. This doesn't come with a list. It just comes with a definition, financial support to multiply godly movement. That's the best way for us to think about what so this isn't sowing your own seed. And I think we, got, we have to go there too because oftentimes in some churches, they like tell you to like, hey, put your offering up. This is my seed, right? I am what God says I am, right? right? Listen, wait a minute. Listen, I know somebody's toes are getting stepped on, but that's not what the Bible talks about as a seed here. This is the seed for what God wants to reap, not what you get to reap. This isn't your seed. It ain't yours. You are a manager of it. So whatever fruit God wants out of it is what we're sowing. 
That's what we're sowing. He's already told us and encouraged us that if we share and if we give, he's going to make sure we have everything we need. But some of us were promised that if I plant a seed in the ground, I'll be rich next month. And that was a lie. That was a lie because it's not about what you want out of that situation. Godly movement, not my movement. And if you need to go, if you need to build up your bank account, well, then just invest in stock. (laughs) Take some of your savings and invest in stock. Go get a financial advisor, but don't give tithes thinking that you're going to get rich in a year because that's not what this is. There is some fruit that God wants to see growing in the earth, and he's moving already to make that fruit bountiful, and we join in that by financially participating. That's what that is. It's not anything else. It's not magic. It's not mystical. It is very practical. It's always been that way. Tithe in the Old Testament was not just, I'm going to bring something because I don't have nothing else to do with my life. These priests who serve us and serve this community need to eat. Tithe was brought to the storehouse to make sure that priests and poor people could eat. It was offered to God to ensure that ministry continued. Godly movement continue. That's no different than what this is, too. When you give tithe or offering or whatever language you want to call it, there's not some magic thing that happens. Candace pays the lights. (laughs) See, she makes sure that DTE and consumer energy get paid. And that so that we can have staff persons who devote time and energy to this ministry, they don't have to, we don't have to go work another full-time job and try to serve this community too. It's super practical. I know that many of us haven't heard it that way before, and we want it to be more shiny than that, but that would not be us truly managing God's money well. That would be us seeking to get something out of what it is that ultimately God wants to get something out of. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. There's a pattern, which we'll talk about this pattern in detail in a moment. But God does not need to motivate us towards spending. And there doesn't need to be a lot of motivation towards saving either. Some of us need that as a discipline, but at the end of the day, we can talk practically about saving is for your good. (laughs) Spending is for your good. Sharing and sowing are not about you. And that's why they're incentivized. But not incentivized in a way in which we become transactional. 
It's just to say, if you make sure that those who don't have, have what they need, and if you join me in godly movement, I'll make sure that you have all that you need so you don't have to worry about that. That's really what, that's really how scripture talks about giving. It's not this give and I'll give it back to you kind of transaction. It's not that. I'm serious. Go invest in stock if that's what you want. This is not stock. God is just making sure. I know that I already told you I'll provide for you. I'm not going to default on that promise. But just in case you were concerned or you were worried because you were caught up in a culture that says you have to take care of yourself, when you take care of other people, guess what? I still got you. When you take care of what I'm doing, guess what? I still got you. You're okay. So, yes, you actually can give off the top. That's actually the point. When we talk about sowing, it's not the leftovers. And here's the challenge that we all have with that. I've been here, but if you've been walking with the Lord and actually lived this out, you can attest that there is something about the practice of faithfully giving off the top that does something different in how I experience God's provision. God receives my leftovers because that's what God does. But there is something unique, and I'm not going to promise you what you want financially because that's a lie. But I am going to say to you, the thing that would keep you from giving first that worry about whether you will have enough is a non-thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. I know that that's how our worry would have us believe, but it really isn't a thing. God ensures that we have what we need. And most of the time, we're struggling with the idea of giving to godly movement not because we've tried and seen that that practice is true. It's because we get to the end and we say, I don't have anything or I've got only a little bit. And we never actually get to see that God really does move to provide, to ensure that I have what I need. And so we're going to talk about that in a moment, but we could not talk about that because honestly, there is no portion of Scripture that talks about tithe or offering in this way that does not speak to with this language. Every single portion of Scripture does. In Deuteronomy, and Malachi, Proverbs, it's the same pattern. You give to what I'm doing, and I'll make sure you got what you need. <clears throat> this portion of Scripture is not in Proverbs, but it's more in alignment than any other portion of Scripture when we talk about offering here. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, fam. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See that share part? <clears throat> As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Excuse me. 
their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I need us to pause. Some of you caught it. He will provide and produce a harvest of generosity in you. Not produce a great harvest of you getting whatever car you want or every pair of shoes you could ever imagine. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying what Scripture says is it will produce a harvest of generosity in you when we function the way that Scripture tells us to as it relates to giving. And God still provides what we need. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. <laughs> and when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. They will thank God. Yeah, you might get a thank you, but ultimately, they will thank God when we are this way. I like to say that the kingdom principle of our giving is we share and we give to godly movement. The world is blessed. Ministry is multiplied. And God gives us more to continue the cycle with. Be generous with this. Be generous with this. Be generous with this. Oh, yeah, make sure you got what you need too, baby, but be generous with this, right? Be generous with this. Be generous with this. No, your light shouldn't be off as a result of your generosity. If that's it, we're still mismanaging God's money because a part of it is spending on what I need. But the point is I'm giving you so that you might be generous with it and because Ultimately, it will point them to me. <laughs> if the whole church is on a mission to make sure that people have what they need and we do so not out of our own vain glory, but to the glory of the Father, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Last two verses here. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. So I have a confession. <clears throat> the board and I were talking a couple weeks ago, um, and I honestly have not asked enough of our church here, which is a hard thing for me to say out loud, not because of the confession piece, because when you know that you have such a wide range of socioeconomic realities, honestly, I feel guilty about asking. Just being honest, I feel guilty about asking. And I recognize that in my lack of asking, my lack of inviting you to participate in godly movement, that I'm also 
not inviting you to an opportunity to experience this reality. And that doesn't mean that, that it's all on me. Y'all grown. <laughs> but in terms of a culture of my role here, in terms of influence and leadership, I have not lived this out in my inviting you to know the ways in which this community needs sowing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do believe this to be true. I do not believe it to be true that as we give, God will make us rich. I do not believe that. Actually, some of the best givers on the planet are living below the poverty line because they get this. I'm still giving, but God is making sure I have everything I need, so I'm going to just keep giving. <laughs> Listen, and the moment God stops, the moment God defaults on this promise, then I'll back off of it. But because he doesn't, I'm just going to keep giving. I don't care what my bank account says. I'm going to keep giving because I'm eating today. I'm going to keep giving because my lights are on. I'm going to keep giving because my children have shoes that fit. I'm going to keep giving because God keeps providing. And honestly, I don't care where it comes from either because everything comes from God. That is a good gift. This is a way in which we function. And those of us who are on the more wealthy side of the spectrum, nothing's different there. I'm going to keep giving. You just got more to play with. There's some wisdom that you might have to have that some of us don't have. The difference between $2 and 200000 is I actually need to think a little bit harder about where this is going to go. But at the end of the day, I still need to let it go. So this week comes with a challenge, a management material challenge. Sharing and sowing come with promises that combat our self-preservation. The others do not. I was pointing to that pattern, and we're going to get to it. And actually, for some of us, this is not the idea of giving to godly movement regularly. As, and I mean from kind of when I get this paycheck or this unemployment check or this disability or whatever the case may be, deciding before I decide about anything else, Lord, how much of this would you like me to give? Before anything else, some of us have not been invited to actually do that. And I want you to be invited to do that throughout this whole series. I want you to do what Scripture actually encourages you, to try God in this. There's not very many portions of Scripture that talk about this like this. But to actually test and see that God is going to be good at what he says. And those of us who have practiced this, we know it to be true. And the moment that you feel like, I don't know, Ask somebody who's nodding right now. <laughs> it's a promise, not a potential. He might make sure you got what you need. Huh? Those of us who experience the might, it's because, honestly, we're doing 
we're, we're taking care of the other things first and not trusting God at the beginning. And that feels really legalistic, but I told you this is nerdy. I'm not telling you to do it because you have to, and I don't want to put pressure on you. It's an invitation, not an obligation to do this. God absolutely knows where we are and has mercy and grace for this, but I'm telling you right now that this promise is something that you might be able to benefit from. If things constantly feel tight and finances are a stress for you, sowing and sharing are ways in which to actually loosen things in the kingdom of God even though it feels like it might make it tighter. And Jesus has kind of always been about turning things upside down, so this fits. Christine has this thing where she keeps reminding herself and I and us this truth of we cannot outgive God. You can't. You just can't, period. And again, if you're like, I don't know, look at the people that's nodding. (laughs) But everybody's not the same. Trust us. (laughs) Just try it, (laughs) right? So throughout this series, right, which will end um, June, the first week of June is the last week of this series, but I would like you to try that. For some of you who are traditionalists, you want a percentage. Put a percentage. That's still you deciding beforehand, <laughs> right? Scripture says to decide. So if you decide, I'm going to do 10. Great, you decided. Done. If you decide, uh, every single time, I'm going to ask God. Here's an interesting thing. Those of us who do that, we notice a pattern. He asks us to give more every time. Hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Because you can't outgive him. So, so it doesn't matter. And the more you do, it's like, yes. Man, Christine and I had this moment this past year where we realized every single year, Candace sends us these giving statements. She, every single year, it's been more. Every single year, it's been more. Like, oh, my gosh, like, we gave that much this year? Where did that come from? Just saying, it's a thing. And it makes you excited to give rather than reluctant to when you see, oh, snap, I can give that much more than I did last month. And God's still making sure. And I have no idea where that came from. And we ate real good. Huh. Man, I need to go on a diet. We ate so good. All right. So (laughs) every single week at the end of this, I will not have a challenge like this, but this last slide will be something along this line. Seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We cannot manage anything of the Lord's without the Spirit of God guiding us. Some of you are like, I don't hear from God like that. That's okay. I'm not telling you to just, I'm not telling you that you need to wait for an audible voice to tell you what to do. I'm saying seek God. If that means that you take five minutes before you press send on your offering, just pray. Lord, help me to to understand what it is that you want me to do with the money and and what you've provided for me. 
I want to be a part of what you're doing. And then go on about your business, trusting that the Lord will show you if there's something that's needed. It's okay. Don't make it more challenging than it is. For those of us who are a little bit more nerdy, that can be an intimidating challenge because we can be sometimes listening for something and all we get is silence. I'm not saying that you all need to hear audibly, but I am saying take a moment. Help me to see what it is that you need and trust that the Lord will allow you to see. And as a general rule, be on the lookout for how we can be generous people. So I want us to have some time of reflection on that. Um, there's a dance that's about to happen, but also I want us to reflect on what it is to seek the Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to envelop all that we're doing as managers of God's resources. Um, and then I'll come back and we'll pray at the end. Glory to your name, O oh God. So there's a line in that song. Uh, when you move, you remove all our fears. So, Holy Spirit, where we are fearful in our management of money, will you move? And remove our fears. When you move, it changes what we see and what we seek. So, Lord, if all I see is tight, all I see is struggle, all I see is not enough, Holy Spirit, move. So it changes what I see and how I seek you. Lord, give us grace and wisdom to manage as you see fit. Be glorified in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.